Right on. We uh, kicked off a new series last week, as you see, called I Choose, uh, Choosing Purpose Over Popularity. Uh, it's one thing that we spent all of last month writing a goals book and putting things in place that we want to see God partner with us on to, to do in this year. But it's a whole nother thing now because you have to choose to live that out. You can write goals all day. You can put things on paper. You can do all that kind of stuff. But now what it comes down to is choices. We got to make a choice to be able to accomplish that purpose. Growing up, people would say, uh, you win or lose, whether you're on a sports team or something like that. You might have heard this where someone says, hey, you win or lose by the way that you choose. Choices are what it all boils down to. And uh, I think for us, you know, as we're looking at living purposeful lives, God called us to steward our lives and manage them and be somebody who uh, sees fruit and everything that we put our hand to. God wants us to choose purpose over just popularity. And I think in this culture we live in, it's the opposite. The pressure that we feel is to keep up. We talked about that last week and keeping up with people or, you know, trying to stay in this trend, it's even a term that we have. When things get to a level of popularity on things, it then says it's trending. You may watch the news and a ticker on the bottom says, now trending. Why? Because we're so consumed with keeping up, keeping up, popularity. What's popular? What's popular? But God wants you to live a purposeful life. The number one Christian book ever sold, uh, aside from the Bible, is The Purpose Driven Life. It's everybody's question, what am I here for? What's my purpose? And your purpose isn't to be somebody who's just popular, who fits in, who keeps up. Your, your, your purpose here on earth is to make a difference, is to live out God's principles and make a difference. Are you with me? I thought about Genesis, one of the first things we see as a fall or as a no good, uh, we see how Adam and Eve and Eve ate the apple. You could almost label that under the category she was in pursuit of popularity. She's saying, wait a minute, uh, you know, God says, hey, you can eat of every tree, but just don't eat that one. And she says, well, wait a minute, I, 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 want, I want all of it. I want all of it, like almost her heart. You could almost stretch it to say even the first sin we see is that somebody was not satisfied with what God intended them and gave them purpose into and said, no, 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 I want to be able to participate in it all, right? It's the first thing that maybe even took us down was this desire to just be in everything instead of being purposeful in what God put us in. And so we got to look at scripture and we got to look at like, how did Jesus live that out? The ultimate example you know, Jesus didn't come to give us really nice memory verses and all these. No, he came to show you a way to live. And so when he came and lived it out here on earth, it was like, look, here's how you live purposefully. And here's the things that happened to me. And we can see his responses in that. I remember when I was a youth pastor and the Passion of the Christ came out. You remember that movie? Um, we bought out movie theaters and we showed that movie for free to people. And because we did that, at the end of the movie, uh, we were able to give an altar call or extend an invitation for people to make Jesus Lord of their life and pray with them. And so really as a pastor, if you've ever seen Passion of the Christ, you know, that's really shooting the fish in a barrel, right? You know what I mean? Like if you watch Passion of the Christ and you don't want to get right with the Lord, then, you know, so I'm go up there. It's like, you know, I'm a young guy, like anybody here want to give their life? And like, just, ah, you know, like they're still crying in their popcorn from them. Are you with me? Right. And, uh, and so I'm just so excited about the weekend and, 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 you know, really to be honest with you, you're looking at it and you're just like, all oh, these people are coming to the Lord. There's all this, but I remember this moment in the movie, everybody's like, oh, he went through this and we saw him go through this. But I remember a moment where he's sitting with the disciples and he says, Hey, look guys, keep this in mind as you're living purposeful for me, keep this in mind. No servant is greater than their master. 
if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And I just remember as a young pastor, like, oh, man, that's so true. Like, if Jesus had to go through some really rough stuff, like, that's going to be on me, too. And so I just remember looking at Scripture in a whole different way of, like, hey, Jesus went through this, and he showed us how to do it, but we need to live aware that if it happened to Jesus, it's probably something that we're going to face. Are you with me? No servant is great. And so, it, and so there's things. As much as we love to say, hey, give your life to the Lord and your life will be perfect every day after, it's just not true. Many of us have experienced that. There's hardships. There's things that we face um, that we have to be aware of. And so the scripture gives us some really good ideas of what it looks like to have trials on the way to your purpose. As you're living out your purpose, things that you're uh, set out to accomplish, there's some trials that Jesus went through. But there's a couple things that I want to note. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. Uh, our purpose isn't connected to popularity. So we're choosing purpose over popularity. And many of us, our heart is, oh, I want to be popular. I want to fit in. I want to be noticed. I want to be all this. And so we're looking for the popularity or the approval of people. Bill Johnson has this great saying that says this, if you don't live by the praises of men, you won't die by their criticisms. And so I think when you're living a purposeful life over popularity, don't be a people who depend on the praises of people. Now, we're a church here that encourages people. We encourage you to love others towards God and use our words to encourage one another and all that kind of stuff. We, we believe in that. But if you depend on that, that's going to be a purpose killer. Are you with me? If you need it to be able to be purposeful and walk out your walk with God, then you're going to miss it. Amen? Here's what I learned real young in ministry. People are the best thing. These are just good things to note because it applies to your job. It applies to everything. People are the best thing for your purpose. People in your life, people that are connected to you, people in your life along the way on your purpose are the best thing for your purpose. But the bad part about that is people are also the worst thing <laughs> along the way when it comes to your purpose. And we have to discern both. You have to have people in your life that are there to help you accomplish your purpose and live out what God called you to. And then you also have to weed out the people in your life that are in your life to hurt your purpose. And that's rough, right? And, uh, and I know it's not a real happy, clappy memory verse like leave here, but, but this is what we're going to take a look at in Jesus' life. There's five trials of purpose that Jesus went through, and he went through it with the filter of does this help my purpose or does this take me away from my purpose? And so five things, we'll go through them pretty quick. The first one is you need to know on your way to purpose or on your way living out your purpose or accomplishing your purpose. We're taking a look here at Jesus' life on his way to the cross, his mission, his purpose, the thing that he was sent here to do. There's some things that happen to him. Same thing will happen to us on our way, onto our purpose, onto what God has for us. There's some things that will happen. The first thing, number one, write it down. Number one is you will be questioned. Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. It says, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Don't you love being questioned? I mean, isn't that like one of our favorite things when somebody judges our motive? right? You're, you're not trying to live popularity. You're, you're sent on a mission. You're trying to live purposeful. And here comes somebody who doesn't know you, who's not connected to you, who doesn't know what you're going through, who doesn't know what you've been through, who doesn't know the information that you know. And they come along and they start pestering you with your motives. 
Doesn't that just feel great? Like, we love that. That's at the top of the list. It happened to Jesus. He's, he's Jesus, the Messiah. He's sinless, blameless. He's living. And then a group of interesting, that it's religious folks, show up in his life and say, who are you? Who gave you the right? Who do you think you are? And they start questioning the motive and the purpose and the design and the destiny of where Jesus is going. It will happen to you. You're going to get on fire about something for God. God's going to drop something in your heart, and you're going to be going, and you're going to be pressing, you're going to be moving forward, and then some people are going to show up. Who do you think you are? Who gives you the right to do it that way? Are you with me? I thought about it like this. I wish Christians spent as much time questioning their own practices as they did each other's. If we would spend the same amount of energy Facebook stalking ourselves than we did other Christians, we'd be a lot better off. Are you with me? If we paid a little more attention to ourselves in the way that we govern our lives and structure our lives, we might be in a little bit better shape. But instead, we spend so much time, well, did you see? The other day I noticed they posted. The other day, and we get up all in their stuff that you have no clue about. You're not in their shoes. You don't know their story. You don't know their information. I still believe gossip is a sin. Are you with me? And so, like last week, we find some people that will just play patty cake with us. And we run over to them and we say, hey, let's play some patty cake and let's gossip about that situation. Let's talk about that thing. And let's question motives. I'm just here to tell you, you live your life like that, you're no different than these religious leaders. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I believe that like Matthew chapter 7, verse 2 says, it's better to live this way. It's better to live for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In the way, in the measure you use it will be measured to you. Verse three, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? It's amazing to me, and I see it because I'm a pastor. People get on message boards and planks in their eyes, things, and they get on these things in the way that they talk about other ministers, the way they talk about other churches, the way they talk about other organizations that are out trying to help the community, the way they talk about other Christians who've fallen. And they just, they spend so much of their energy in the popularity of gossiping about sawdust in somebody else's eyes versus spending the energy of the purpose of taking that plank out of their own. Amen. And so I'm, I came here to say what they did to Jesus happens to us, and you can't let it affect you. I'm not here to come down on you. I'm here to encourage you today that, you know what? Jesus didn't let it affect him. You don't have to let it affect you. When you get a purpose in your heart, when you get something in your mind, and you're going after God, and you're pressing, you're going forward, don't let it affect you when somebody comes and questions your motive. Because the last time I checked the Bible, they weren't your judge. You answer to God and the call that he put on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what some Facebook commenter has to say about it. Okay, point number two. It gets better, so don't even worry. Number two, you will be sold out. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. It says, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And in verse 16, and from that time, he sought the opportunity to deliver him unto death. 
Judas, here's what's crazy about this story. He's one of the 12. Judas spent three years not just knowing of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to town and he did a thing with Jesus, set up this thing. He visited. No, Judas was with him. He was alongside him. He was in the inner circle. And it wasn't like he came from Craigslist. The guy's like, oh, we got to find somebody to tell us where. We so it was like a, a mob hit, you know, like this guy, Judas, oh, he's on Craigslist response. Like, yeah, I can find you. No, it was his boy. It was his inner circle. Sold him out. Literally went to a place where he could say, hey, I know. I can connect with you. You can give me something. And I can go over here and pull this person's purpose down. It's literally what was trying to happen. Do you know that that same thing happens to us today? You today, us today, people come into your life, they're close to you, they're near you, they think you're with you, and as soon as they find an opportunity to get gain, they will go to who they need to get to to sell you out so that they can be elevated. Happens all the time. Jesus' response in this, and I can't get into it all the content, he literally just says, hey, you, you come. He says to him at the supper, hey, look, you do what you got to do and then be on your way. You know what I think our response to be with people, they come and they try to sell us out. We don't revenge. We just say, hey, you, you do what you got to do. But I'm going to be what? About my purpose. Jesus kept his eye on the purpose. He didn't go find a crowd to patty cake and get popular and then go back and get. No. Are you with me? Number three. This is one of the hardest ones. What you do won't be popular. When you're on your road to your purpose, when you're after it, when you're trusting God, when you're launching a ministry or trusting God for something or you're going out or uh, nobody sees it, you're, you're, you're just out doing it. Uh, what you do at times won't be popular. Matthew 26, 36, again, on his way to the cross, it says, then Jesus, uh, I'll give you just the paraphrase here. I don't think I gave you the scripture, but uh, there's a, so it's the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is there and uh, he brings some people with him that he's asking to cover him. Hey, have my back. Will you pray? Will you just stay here and pray? This is the hardest night of my life. I'm about to go to the cross. I just need somebody to have my back. Will you stay? Will you pray? And the scripture says Jesus is using these words like I'm sorrowful and deeply distressed. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Just some of the strongest vocabulary Jesus is using in the people that he brought to have his back. The scripture says two times he goes over to them and they're asleep. They're asleep. Because there's times on your road to your purpose and what you're sent here to do, what you're doing won't be popular. Many people come into your life that like the miracles, like Jesus. These guys are with them. They're, they're with them when the miracles are happening and the flash and flare and the lights are on, right? They're with them. They love that. They love it when they're a part of the entourage. They're walking with them and there's an attention uh, and they walk around saying things like this. I'm with Jesus. You know, have you heard we're with Jesus? You know, I'm traveling with Jesus. We, we are doing this. We are doing this. We are doing this. Coattail people, you'll get those people. They'll come and you think they're with you and they're alongside you and they're really just coattailing you. There's, they aren't really about the same purpose you're about. They, they just like the flash and flare that's around it. And so here he is saying, I need you, I need you, I need you. And then both times they fall asleep. Why? Because some people are only with you for the entertainment or the big stage phase. They aren't purpose people. They aren't the prayer people in the night. There's oftentimes what you do won't be popular. I know this is really practical, but when these things happen to us, we freak out. I'm telling you, as a pastor who leads a church, we'll get an idea, we'll get a vision, 
and we'll cast it, and it's amazing, and it's happening in the community, and then we get no response behind it. And you go, what in the world? Because sometimes there's just things that your purpose is excited about because you see where it's going that's just not popular. And so you want to quit. It's like, oh, I guess it's not popular. They fell asleep on it. We should quit it. But it's the people that stick to it. The scripture says, put their hand to the plow and don't look back are the ones that see the kingdom of God move. Are you with me? Purpose over popularity. Those guys that night were in it for what was popular. What keeps me awake? What keeps me entertained? That's what I'm going to be into. Don't live your Christian life like that. Your walk with God or your relationship with God is only the exciting things that keep your eyes open. No, be a people who are willing to pray in the middle of the night, to have a burden for your purpose that when no one notices, when it's in its darkest time, you're still about it. Are you with me? Number four, you will be mocked. Number four, you'll be mocked. Matthew 26, 67 says, this is when they had Jesus on the way to the cross. It says, then they spat in his face and beat him and others struck him with their palms in their hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? So they're making fun of who he is being able to give prophecy and who he, what he's about and all these kinds of things. Can I tell you this? The more you press into God, the more you want to see his kingdom come, the more you are about your purpose. Do you know that people are going to mock you for it? You're getting up to do what on a Sunday morning? You're crazy. Getting to church at 7 a.m. to set up lights and to do a thing? Well, you got a purpose, and you're going to stick to it. You give money to a church. Like, you actually give your money to a church? People are going to mock you for that. Are you with me? Stay about your purpose. What did God speak to you? What, what's the fruit in it? Because people will mock you. Number five. And then I got a couple closing thoughts. Number five. <clears throat> this is a huge one. The enemy will mess with your head. <clears throat> Excuse me. This example is loaded in Matthew 27, 27. I'll read it to you. But this is unbelievable, uh, really, what they were posturing to do to Jesus at this point. Uh, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus, and they stripped him and put him in a scarlet <clears throat> excuse me, robe. Uh, right there is already a shot. Uh, some, of the, some of the young kids would call it, they're starting to troll him already. They're starting to really uh, make a mockery of him because they put him in this robe. So they're belittling him. They're starting to get in his head by, by putting him in this uh, colored robe. Verse 29, when, Jesus, then, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed their knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews still mocking and trolling and belittling him. 30, they spat on him. They took their reed and struck him on the head, beating that crown of thorns into their, his head. <clears throat> and when they had mocked him, they took the robe from him, put his own clothes on him, led him away to be crucified. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said, <clears throat> he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. They're questioning his works. Right here, they say, oh, he saved others, and he did this. If he's really this guy, why doesn't he do it for himself? So now they're starting to get in his head about the things that he's actually done, the fruit that he's actually seen. Verse 43, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. Three things happened here. They mocked his position. They made fun of him as king of the Jews. They mocked his position. People will mock your position. Oh, Christian? Oh, Christian? In this culture, Christian, why don't you say something more like, I believe in a higher being, and we're going to try to twist all this and mock your stance, and you're Christian, and they're going to try to get in your head about what you attach yourself to. I can't believe that you associate as Christian, Christian, that's one, 
that happened to him. They questioned his position. The other is, like I said, his works. Oh, you've saved others? Why don't you save yourself? They're questioning the works that had happened in your life. It'll happen to you. Oh, you're still about that purpose? You're still doing that thing? Oh, and they're going to question the fruit of the years that you've invested, the time that you've put in. You still take your kids to church on a Sunday? You still pray with your spouse? You still do this? You they question the works in your life. It will happen to you. Are you with me? And then it said he trusted uh, he said, they said he trusted God. So they questioned his source. Oh, God? Wait, like you believe in a God that we can't see? Like, wait, you pray to a God? Wait, you depend, you put yourself in situations where your faith requires you to believe in a God? Like God is your source? Are you with me? That's what, that's what we see. That's what we face on the road to our purpose. These big questions I know it doesn't preach real well on a Sunday. I know it doesn't get us real excited to go put on a t-shirt about the trials of our purpose. But I see more people derailed when things like this come into their life and they go, how could this be happening? I can't believe this. We should believe it because no servant is greater than their master. But what's amazing is that Jesus has a plan for us. He said, look, I'm leaving you obviously with his will and his scripture, but also said, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You have a comforter who can help you in all of this. Are you with me? So here's where I'm at as a church. I don't want to come up here and tell you you're going to get trial and you're going to get this and you're going to, because here's the deal. Too many Christians have lived on defense. Oh, like, oh, we got to be careful. The devil's around every corner. Those trials are coming. Where's the trial? Where's the trial? I got to protect my, where's the trial? But really God says we're the head and not the tail. So we actually need to educate ourselves. Like, yeah, the trials are coming, but how do we respond in them? And so Jesus actually does this brilliantly to us. He sees all of these things I just encountered, but then he does four amazing things I want to share with you today in closing uh, that just real quick, that these are our responses when these things come into our life. Number one, a way that we respond when these things happen to us. You see in Luke 23, 34, it says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Point number one of four in our response is you have to be forgiving. You just have to be a person who extends forgiveness. Jesus is literally hanging on a cross after enduring all of this. And he's up there while they're about to gamble over his things below him. And he's just like, God, forgive them. They just don't know better. They just don't know better. Are you with me? There's many times that like just stuff happens and they're trialing and they're testing and they're trying to destroy your purpose. And the best thing you can do is just go, God, forgive them. They just don't know better right now. They just couldn't make a better decision. They just could Are you with me? Jesus made an amazing, amazing example. Number two, you have to accept people. Jesus gives us a great picture hanging on the cross a criminal, a soldier, no matter who's against him, somebody who deserves to be on the cross. Jesus is up there and says this in verse 42. Then Jesus, then he said to Jesus, the criminal, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43. And he said to him, assuredly, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. He's somebody who accepted people. Number two is the number two point is you have to accept people. We got to be a people who can't prejudge and put labels and all this kind of stuff. We got to be a people like Jesus that say, like, look, I understand you're not doing it perfectly. I understand you don't got it all right. I don't understand. But you know what? I still accept you. I still am a person who has a heart for you and cares for you and will be where you're at. Are you with me? We have to be people who accept people. Number three, you have to be concerned with people's lives and their future. 
We see in John 19, 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, this is at the time of crucifixion, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home, literally dying on a cross, falsely persecuted, talked about, lied about, sold out, brought all that stuff. And he's still looking down from his place saying, hey, make sure you take care of them. Make sure you take care of them. Still has the concern for others on his heart and on his mind. That's gonna be us, no matter what trials, no matter what persecutions, no matter what comes our way, our responses in these things are gonna be, hey, I still need to make sure we're taking care of people. Are you with me? Number four, and lastly, you have to feed people. This is kind of a funny one because I'm literally using like a, a breakfast scripture, but in John 21, 12, this is when Jesus shows back up on the scene. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. When he came back, he didn't come back to be popular and to show everybody he was right. What did he do? He came right back to the order of his purpose, taking care of people, feeding people, meeting the needs of people. He spent three years with people. They mocked him. These guys that he's meeting up with denied him, turned their back on him, betrayed him. All of these things. And he's like, hey, guys, let's, let's put it back together. Let's have a little breakfast. You guys, you, 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 Tom, you still eat those runny eggs, you gross thing, you know, like they just got right back together, fed people, took care of people. Are you with me? All these trials, all these things that come at us, the only way we're going to gain ground and influence and make an impact in our communities is when the trials come, we keep our eyes on our purpose in God and we respond in a way that Jesus did.